helping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and we have with us this morning Mal Warwick, who is the founder and chairman of Mal Warwick Associates, a fundraising consultancy. Mal is also co-author of his recent book, Value-Driven Business, How to Change the World, Make Money, and Have Fun. Hi, Mal. Hi, Cheryl. Well, welcome. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing just great, thanks. How are you? I'm great, thank you. We're so glad you're here. Now, where are you this morning? Well, I'm in my office in Berkeley, California, Ooh. which is uh, not uh, not where I can always be found, but uh, from time to time I light here. From time to time you show up and, and say hi to your great staff. I, I've been looking at some of the people you have that work with you, and they look fabulous. It's a wonderful staff. Oh, how fun, how fun. So, so do you honor your own philosophy of uh, making money and having fun while you do it? Well, I most certainly do. Yeah. I, uh, I feel quite comfortable, thank you very much, <laughs> and I... Um, but I've been having a great time, particularly over the last dozen years or so, since I've so very consciously tried to uh, apply socially responsible business uh, policies and approaches to my business. Well, you've had a very interesting background, Mel, and I know that you have been involved with many nonprofit organizations, um, several socially responsible nonprofit organizations that you actually help start is that right well yes uh, i've mostly um, mostly my activity has centered around social venture network which i joined in 1990 um, svn was founded 20 years ago just three years before i joined and has been although in the background with a, a low public profile until recently a um, a, an engine, an incubator for many of the, the institutional uh, efforts that have helped to fuel the socially responsible business movement. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, fairly early in my uh, time at, at SVN, I was part of a, a group of members that uh, created and, and launched as an independent organization Business for Social Responsibility. Um, other members of SVN were responsible for incubating and, and launching the organization that is now called uh, Net Impact. Hmm. Uh, that's uh, used, uh, formerly Students for Responsible Business. Uh, I had no part in that. Hmm. Uh, Investors Circle uh, was another offshoot of of Social Venture Network and uh, has been responsible for for uh, investing uh, many, many millions of dollars in businesses that uh, heed a triple bottom line. Hmm. And what is that triple bottom line? Well, that's, uh, forgive the the jargon, uh, an expression in common use among the devotees of socially responsible business. It really refers to uh, people, planet, and profits as the 
the objects of our uh, of of our businesses of, as our goals rather than simply a, a monomaniacal fixation on profit which has uh, which has somehow uh, seized the uh, the attention of the business sector generally. Well, it seems like there is, you know, an obvious movement toward looking at the planet as being important. Um, the green, quote unquote, green movement that is that we seem to be swimming in. Um, and I know that um, many people are a little suspect of the sudden attention that's being paid by large organizations to this. What is your take on how we? got to the place where it seems to be so popular and is this real well i i would say first of all that that uh, the, the human race including americans uh, finally are waking up to the fact that the resources on this planet are not inexhaustible uh, I think that uh, if you want to look at, at the proximate causes of the of a, of a sudden recent upsurge in environmental consciousness, you probably have to look at Al Gore's film, uh, yeah. An Inconvenient Truth. Um, he has uh, almost single-handedly, though obviously working with hundreds and perhaps thousands of other people, raise the level of awareness about the threat that that many of us feel is the uh, the greatest threat humanity faces in the 21st century uh, global climate change or, or global warming as it's known more popularly but um i think that the the other part of your question is this real uh, is um is a question that doesn't have a very simple answer um i think that his, looking historically at the the development of uh, business as a concept and as a human institution, we certainly would have to say that the the move toward uh, toward consciousness in the business community that that a company needs to t- pay attention to more than just the uh, the financial goals of its owners. Uh, is uh, is well underway. That uh, has, uh, over the last oh, century and a half, as uh, the corporations came to be a major factor in society, uh, most of the uh, time and attention has been paid to the the Milton Friedman school of uh, of thought. The that um, the business of business is uh, to make money, and uh, it's not acting in the best interests of society if it pays attention to anything else. Well, that that attitude has been changing in recent years, in no small part, I believe, because of the efforts of the hundreds of people who have been active in Social Venture Network over the years, changing this uh, this mindset. Um, so. There, there are at least uh, looking at this simplistically two aspects to the uh, the answer of whether this is real. Uh, certainly, it's real not just in the historical terms but in practical terms because thousands upon thousands of businesses, including many large businesses, are are taking steps to uh, to integrate 
the principles of the of the triple bottom line into their core business practices and policies. Thousands of businesses. That's real. Um, it's also real and in a way significant that many thousands of more businesses, also including some of the biggest companies on the planet, um, are feeling it necessary to act as though they are making these changes, even though they may not be. Uh, it's become uh, it's come to the point where um, a, a corporate executive must at least pay lip service to uh, to uh, socially responsible business practices or CSR as it's known in uh, among most people corporate social responsibility um, if only as reputation insurance a company has to protect its reputation with consumers who are becoming more and more demanding of the companies that uh, they buy products and services from. So, yes, it's, it, it, it's real, it uh, is growing, and I think that it's reasonable to expect that in the years ahead we're going to see a significant upsurge in this activity because corporate leaders, uh, General Electric, for example, uh, Walmart, for example, are taking very significant steps to change their practices uh, in order to uh, to make their businesses more sustainable for the long run. And so while they're doing that and they're um, looking at different ways to do that, bringing in organic products, um, looking at how their products get actually made, you know, what, how they treat the workers that um, create their products, um, I'm wondering if there is a movement toward um, what's happening right now in Germany. There's been a law in the books for a while um, that is beginning to get um, some traction, and it's that products that are made have to be able to be taken back by mm -hmm. the uh, manufacturer or the company that has created them <clears throat> when they come to the end of their useful life. Do you think? Do you see that that's possible that it's going to happen here? I think inevitably it, it will. Uh, the we we face uh, we face a, a panoply of problems. First of all, there is the the limit on available resources. There is simply not an inexhaustible source of the raw materials that we need to go on producing the goods we produce. Much less in a world where billions of people in Asia are uh, are waking up to the possibilities of uh, being rich and mimicking American lifestyles. Um, second, there is the demand, the growing demand by consumers that uh, corporations uh, tread lightly on the planet and uh, treat their workers well and uh, build products that will not just satisfy the immediate needs of consumers but will uh, will will not contribute to the massive landfills that are choking so many of our cities all over the world. And so, you know, when I look at the title of your book with um, Ben Cohen, who is the one of the founders of Ben and Jerry's, and used to be called Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream, now it's Ben and Jerry's Company, and. Um, you know, one part of that is making money, having fun. And I'm wondering how the having fun part fits. You know, it seems like this, 
moving in the green revolution, um, looking at social responsibility, feels very serious. So where does the have fun come in, and what does it look like? <laughs> well, first of all, the um, if you if you run a company, uh, if you hire younger people uh, these days, you know that anyone, let's say below the age of, uh, well, at this point, probably below the age of 60, anyone <laughs> of the boomer generation, the the X generation, or much less the, those who are younger, um, have a different outlook on life than their their parents or grandparents did. Uh, the generations that were most deeply affected by the uh, the Depression and World War II were raised in an atmosphere which demanded utter seriousness. And this is uh, there's a new a, a new understanding among people who are younger that life doesn't have to be that way all the time. And they uh, demand fun in their work, so it has to. Be, fun has to be an integral part of the way a company operates in order to be successful and to make money. Well, we're going to have more fun with Mal Warwick when we come right back. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. It has been said that to live is to choose, but to choose well, you must know who you are and what you stand for, where you want to go, and why you want to get there. On Reap What You Sow, with host, performance management specialist, and executive coach, Alana Daly, achievement and success through expanding yourself and your life is available at the click of a mouse. Reap through redefining your goals. Educate your mind, your body, your conscious, and unconscious. Apply what you learn and plan, and it shall be. Success over and over again, and wealth result when you Reap regularly. Reap what you sow with Alana Daly. Broadcast each Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Reap what you sow. Learn the rules of the game. Then play better than anyone else. Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leader the world has been waiting for. Call today. 401s, stock, mortgage, retirement, wealth. We cover it all. Voice America Business. 
We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And we're speaking with Mal Warwick today, the author of Value-Driven Business, How to Change the World, Make Money, and Have Fun. So, Mal, before we went to break, you were speaking about having fun in the work world. and Sure, why not? Yeah, exactly. And um, you said that pretty much any person who comes into the workforce these days has an expectation that they're going to have some fun, that this is part of their life, and they're not willing to set aside their life and say, well, I work is work and fun is fun and never the twain shall meet. And so I'm wondering, what are some of the things that make work fun? What are some of the things? Well, I think that, uh, first of all, there's a basic question of respect that oh. that almost everyone demands in today's world. Uh, it was not a reasonable expectation uh, when you joined a company back in the 50s that your your boss, uh, much less the chief executive, would respect you. Uh, it was just uh, assumed that you were going to fill a slot on an organization chart, um, do a, a job, and uh, go home in the evening and live your life th- at that point and on the weekends. But um, that's no longer the operative assumption. Uh, people of younger generations uh, are uh, coming to work with the feeling that they, uh, that in order to live their lives, they have to be treated, oddly enough, like human beings. And they, uh, you can't have fun if you are working in an oppressive situation where your uh, your views uh, are disdained, your your needs are ignored. So it's, it begins having fun. I think begins with uh, the creation of an atmosphere in which people feel as though they can talk openly and be themselves. Um, I think that. Uh, there are um, there are many companies, uh, mine for example, where we consciously try to build fun into the workplace. And I know this is true of, of thousands of other companies, where we we celebrate our successes. If we have a, a particularly good year, we have an employee extravaganza. We have our uh, Vice President of Fun, our Chief Fun Officer, as she's now called, who organizes uh, parties uh, periodically. Uh, they, these are fun occasions. Uh, people have a have good a time. Of, you actually have a Chief Officer of Fun? What, she, 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 Chief Fun Officer. She's our CFO, <laughs> our other CFO. Our other CFO. Yes. <laughs> I yes. love it. Now, if she, if, if she had another title um, that was in a traditional company, would there be a role that she would have played? Well, um, I think that that if there were some structured role, she would have been in uh, HR. She's actually in the accounting department. She just <laughs> happens to be. She's uh, in in uh, her uh, her work outside the office. She's an actress, and uh-huh. she's very funny, and she uh-huh. has a great time of life, and and just infects the rest of us with her enthusiasm. Um, 
And we, uh, one of her projects is the periodic uh, Thursday Thursday barbecue, which we hold periodically on Fridays. <laughs> so, uh, okay, I get it. <laughs> Thursday, I'm writing this one down. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm going to pass this on to my clients, you know, and say, a very high paid consultant gave this advice to me, I'm going to give it to you for free. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So, um, so you're taking your fun seriously, so to speak, and um, very intentional about it. The concept of respecting everyone is a big one, obviously. Yes. And a lot of organizations have as one of their their organizational values the concept of respect, the concept of telling the truth, um, the concept of service, and um, what you said about people being treated well, that has to happen, right? People have to be able to be treated well in order to then turn around and treat the customer well. I mean, that's been yes. proven in research, right? Absolutely. Um, now, I, I don't want this to uh, be misinterpreted. I mean, this doesn't mean that that uh, everybody always goes around being nice to everybody all the mm-hmm. time. Uh, it means that there's a basic culture of respect. I mean, people are doing serious work. There, there are tensions. There are pressures in uh, on the job, yeah. uh, and sometimes uh, people uh, lose their tempers or uh, have to make difficult decisions that make other people unhappy. So it's not as though we repeal all the rules of the of the workplace. It's right. the, it's simply that we try to undergird all this with uh, with a genuine sense of respect, and uh, we build uh, we build uh, mechanisms into the the workplace grievance mechanisms and review mechanisms of, of various sorts that make it possible for for people to uh, raise questions about uh, about these practices. Right. Right. So in some ways, this is also about empowerment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and empowerment in action, not just in words. Um, I want to turn to the concept of philanthropy. You obviously work in that world. Um, a lot of your work is done in helping organizations to raise money, helping organizations I assume to give some away too, right? You work on the other side also. Well, not not professionally. Um, our work in uh, Mount Warwick Associates is uh, focused on helping nonprofit organizations, mostly national organizations, raise money. We specialize in what is broadly called direct response, um, but particularly in direct mail uh, and now online fundraising. Mm-hmm. We help our clients develop and manage programs that will build relationships with many, many thousands of small donors who become, in effect, members or um, loyal donors of the organization. Uh, we don't have any role in the way that the organizations use the money. Um, Offsite, uh, in uh, in an extracurricular way, I've been involved in a foundation. I, I co-founded a, our local community foundation here in Berkeley uh, hmm. about uh, 15 years ago. But um, that's pretty much the extent of it. At which foundation is that? 
Berkeley Community Fund is its mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. And what do you do? Well, I I I was uh, I was on the board for fourteen years. I, I just left the board last year. I thought it was already too long for one person <laughs> to stay on a foundation board. Hmm. Well, you know that's that's an interesting concept in itself. How a board really influences the shaping of an organization, whether it's profit or not profit, and. You know, should there be um, tenure or you know term limits or things like that? What's your thought about that? Well, it is regarded as best practice in the nonprofit world for there to be uh, term limits and uh, turnover mm-hmm. on boards. Uh, the leading organization in the field, an organization called BoardSource, recommends this. And um, I, f- I think it's a very good practice. I've worked with hundreds of nonprofits over the years. I know the, the downside and the difficulties of, uh, in an organization which is run by a, a group of people, all of whom want to uh, continue to exercise their authority over the years. Um, but it's, it's much healthier for the organization, for there to be a continual infusion of uh, new ideas and new energy. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about um, how nonprofits are or are not acting in a socially responsible way. I, I saw something you wrote, an article that you wrote, that um, had a point of view about this. I um, I believe that uh, that. In general, the nonprofit sector has done a very poor job of of looking at its broader responsibilities. I, I think that the responsibilities of a nonprofit organization go beyond the specific mission that it has identified, just as the responsibilities of a corporation go beyond the uh, the single bottom line of profit. Uh, it's it's not enough in my view, for a nonprofit organization to provide excellent, low-cost or free service to needy people in a community, uh, while at the same time paying its workers sub-minimum wages, um, uh, stifling their uh, their views, their, uh, their freedom of expression on the job, uh, providing no uh, or little or no training, um, and uh, operating in a way that uh, that is disdainful of the economy. Uh, I'm sorry, of the environment. This is unfortunately all too common in the nonprofit sector. By no means is it universal. I, I wouldn't suggest right. that for a minute. Right. But there are there are over a million nonprofit organizations in the United States, and I would wager that um, that all but a, a, a relative handful operate in a way that that pays no attention whatsoever to the to the, uh, their impact on society and on the environment other than in the very focused way that uh, relates to their specific missions that's so interesting you know I, I've had that experience myself I've served on some boards nonprofit boards and I've seen this behavior which has always um, surprised me. And it's almost as if the organization itself has low self-esteem. Yes. You know, it always surprised me so much. And yet then I wonder, well, then, is that 
is that somehow um, innate in you know the nature of the beast, so to speak? Um, you know, you're dealing with a lot of oftentimes dealing with a lot of situations that are so um, hard to deal with. You know, they're 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 sad, and does that come with the territory? But I I know you have a thought about that, so hang on, and we'll be back right after this break. You're listening to The Bottom Line in Business Talk. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leaders the world has been waiting for. Call today. The economy and financial markets continue to expand in both their size and complexity. But being able to anticipate changes in the markets for housing, jobs, and financial assets remains a crucial ingredient to our financial well-being. On the economy and the markets, with economist, investment strategist, portfolio manager, and host, Doug Cliggett, utilizes his 25 years of experience with that of his highly informed guests to provide clear, reasoned explanations of current events. To navigate the markets that influence our lives every day of the week, tune into The Economy and the Market with Doug Cliggett, broadcasting each Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The economy and the markets. Clear thoughts in a complex world. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And we're speaking with Mal Warwick today, founder and chairman of Mal Warwick Associates, a fundraising consultancy. Mal, before the break, we were talking about how nonprofits um, have not done so well of going beyond the mission that they serve. And um, I made the comment that 
it's almost as if the organization itself has low self-esteem. And I'm wondering well, what you think about that. I think that's a, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, certainly, there is um, there's a lot of evidence that um, that that term might apply. Um, <clears throat> nonprofit organizations are typically struggling to raise funds. Uh, they uh, they often have a, a um, view of themselves as, as victims of nobly attempting to right a wrong in society and getting little support from the public to, to do so. And uh, that, frankly, has been the source of many of their problems in, in raising money. Um, it's a... Um, there's a poor mouthing approach that is widespread in the nonprofit sector, which right. reflects this low self-esteem, right. as you've put it, and um, it is uh, it's the cause of of many of the difficulties that that they have in approaching donors. Hmm. Uh, most donors want to work with uh, organizations that are winners. Uh, right. They want to invest in in causes and institutions that are. Uh, Accomplishing great things that uh, have a great vision that uh, can show results that uh, have a, a bright outlook on the future of their work, and unless a nonprofit organization can project that kind of thinking it 's uh, going to find it difficult to raise the funds that it needs and and yet so it becomes almost a a, a vicious circle right right and, and so given that then there is a specific Approach to asking for money, and um, I'm sure you, you do a lot of consulting around that. And I know that um, Lynn Twist has written a book called The Soul of Money. Yes, she has. And, and that is that is about this whole concept, right? It it is. Uh, it 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 deals with uh, other dimensions of this concept. Okay. Yes, uh, Lynn argues, and, and I. Comp- Completely agree with her. She's uh, she's a good friend and she's brilliant at fundraising. Mm-hmm. That um, we are afflicted with a sense of scarcity, um, but we do not live in an age of scarcity. Certainly not in this country. Right. We live in an age of abundance, and right. we have to uh, we have to shift our thinking in such a way as to recognize that the resources are are there to be had and uh it's and it's mostly our own attitudes that prevent us from securing them hmm. you know I, I mean it's how is it that we think we live in this age of scarcity when everybody has now i know this is a it's not true i know everybody doesn't have everything they want but it seems like most people have uh, at least most of the consumables that they want, and um, I mean, how how is it that we have this sense of scarcity? Well, I think partly it is that um, the, that our society is still unaccountably teaching us to acquire more stuff. Mm-hmm. The the pervasiveness of of uh, consumer advertising, the um, the the way in which the news media celebrate the the rich and famous mm-hmm. and create envy on the part of the rest of us can all can all uh, contribute toward a sense that 
even though we've got a lot, we really need a whole lot more, and uh, we're going to have to struggle to get it. Yeah. And so I'm wondering about the concept of sustainability um, as a concept of organizations that are saying that they care about the planet, they are going green, they're caring about people um, and profits and the planet. And, and, you know, if in fact they're needing to apply the values of things like you talked about, respect and trust and celebration, um, how does that then reconcile with their ever-present push to get us to buy the products? And then, of course, we comply. We want these products. So, I mean, what do we do about this? Well, um, that's a tough one, isn't it? It's a really tough one. You know, I, I wish I had an answer because, um, you know, something has to shift along the way, and I'm not sure exactly what it is. I don't see that we're going to suddenly say, well, you know what, I guess I just don't need to have that toothpaste or, you know, Whatever, fill in the blank, you know. Um, voting with our dollars is one way, you know, buying products that are green from companies that are socially responsible, and yet they're still pushing products, mm-hmm. right? Well, they are. Um, that's what they know how to do, and it's um, uh, it, it seems as though we may be, be uh, caught on a treadmill, which requires us to keep producing more and more in order to m- make the uh, the income that will allow us to buy more and more. Uh, it is uh, it's a, a treadmill that I think was powered up by Henry Ford when he had the inspiration to note that uh, if he paid his workers. Uh, several times more than the prevailing wage that, lo and behold, they'd have enough money to buy his uh, Model T's. Right. Um, but I do think that there is, um, regardless of what the corporations are doing and regardless of what the uh, the advertising industry may be doing, there there is a, a, um, a shift in the consuming public that uh, market researchers are finding more and more evident. People are rebelling uh, in growing numbers against this consumer, uh, the consumerist mentality, the sense that you always have to strive to acquire more and more stuff. Um, companies that are exhibiting a um, more wholesome approach to their customers, uh, uh, telling them uh, to, uh, or attempting to, to give them the products that they need rather than necessarily the ones that they that they may wish for, oh. uh, at giving them good advice about the durability of products and, and producing goods that will uh, will last for a very long time. Hmm. So products that aren't necessarily designed to be obsolete in two years. Exactly. Yeah. Um, products that, you know, when they do break or fall apart, the organization is willing to take them back. Is that true? Right. Yeah. That's, that's happening. Okay. Um, and, and so I'm assuming that the way the organization learns what the customer wants is by asking. So are we really getting involved more with the, um, with the corporations? Is the consumer? 
Well, there's there's little question that uh, companies um, many years ago began waking up to this. Um, there, there's a, a concept called customer relationship management, yeah. which has gained great prominence in the marketing field uh, in the last oh, dozen years or, or perhaps more, uh, in which uh, companies that sell to consumers are uh, are devoting more and more time and effort toward developing dialogue with them. Um, it actually began many years ago, but it's been uh, this whole sense of uh, of customer dialogue has been developed much more aggressively in more recent years, uh, and software that is. Uh, now it used probably in the overwhelming majority of consumer products companies, and even for that matter, uh, so-called business-to-business operations like like mine, um, helps to uh, to capture and to retain and to process and use the information that comes from customers. And so, we we need to make sure we're giving them the right information. And not just buying habits. Well, that's true. Okay, so what are the um, what are the real channels for us to do that? Yeah, I guess that I'm really the question I'm really asking is how um, how do how do how do I as a consumer tell um, you know let's name a hotel chain Starwood Hotels what's important to me um, by filling out that little guest form or you know. well I don't know what in that particular case whether that would be effective but it certainly would be at some hotel chains um, they they actually do pay attention to right, those things right. you know you get one of those uh, surveys from practically every hotel right 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 so um, it sounds to like the idea of deciding that we're in charge, deciding as a consumer that you know I, I'm not the victim. I'm not. I'm not you know beholden to organizations. I make choices, and every time I um, lay my money down or put my credit card down, I'm voting with my dollars essentially, and I'm voting for more than just a product. In some ways, I'm voting for a system. Right. Exactly, and uh, you know there there are organizations that have done a considerable amount of work in this area, and in, in informing and organizing consumers to uh, take fuller advantage of the leverage that we have as uh, you know as holders of the purse strings. Uh, the uh, one of the most uh, long-standing and, and effective of these is an organization called Co-op America, and I would strongly recommend that anyone who wants to pursue this idea of the the consumer as um, an activist, uh, able to influence the behavior of companies, should uh, should check out Co-op America. Great. We'll be right back with Mel Warwick. You're listening.
listening to The Bottom Line in Business Talk. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leader the world has been waiting for. Call today. From the stock market floor to your computer, you're listening to Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. We're speaking today with Mel Warwick, author, co-author of Values-Driven Business, How to Change the World, Make Money, and Have Fun. Um, your co-author was is Ben Cohen of Ben and Jerry's. And I have to ask, what was it like to write a book with Ben Cohen? (laughs) Well, uh, it was a challenge just to to find him at any given (laughs) moment. He's uh, quite a peripatetic fellow. He can be found... uh, uh, I mean, he's probably he probably travels uh, as as much or more than I do. Right. Uh, And I travel a lot. Wow. Um, So he's... um, I've actually known Ben for a number of years. I did some work for his company on a couple of occasions, and we've served on boards together. So, um, you know, it it, it wasn't. Uh, it, it was probably a little bit different than than you might imagine. I mean, we <laughs> we had some pretty uh, pretty spirited conversations about some of the issues in the book. Somehow, I'm not surprised. <laughs> right. Um. And, you know, that's an example. Ben, ben is an example uh, with his company, Ben & Jerry's, um, of making money while having fun. That clearly was a philosophy from the beginning that he, he and Jerry made very public. And I'm wondering if you can talk a bit about the making money side of the equation. Absolutely. Um, well, let, let me just talk from my own experience mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. 
uh, for about the first 15 years or so of my company's existence, um, we were we were not ever a really a strong profit-making business. Mm-hmm. The very first years we 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 were very profitable, but after that it became almost touch and go, up a little bit one year, down a little bit the next year. Uh, we were successful. We stayed in business. We were in demand in our market among the nonprofit organizations. But um, we couldn't seem to make a consistent profit. The profitability of my company, which is now quite impressive, mm. began only in the mid-'90s when I very consciously began applying socially responsible business practices and, and policies. Uh, you know, a, um, a very generous profit-sharing program, an environmental audit that led to many changes in the way we used resources, uh, a uh, eventually uh, an ESOP, an employee stock ownership plan, other other steps taken to uh, to integrate our um, our business practices with the concerns and the uh, the uh, I, the ideas of the employees, not just of mine. And in our first year, let me put it this way. Uh, over the course of the 10 years following the beginning of that process, mm-hmm. um, our sales went up by a factor of two and a half, which is not outrageously high for a, a small company like mine, but our profits went up by a factor of 11. Wow. Now, that was not an accident. I don't credit the uh, the socially responsible practices with all of that increase because there were other factors mm-hmm. in play as well. But it had a very substantial impact, and I can tell you that the the morale and the productivity of the staff uh, became much greater. The relationships with our clients became stronger because the staff was more highly motivated. Um, the um, the process of hiring and new employees became easier because it was so clearly a great place to work, and through a combination of all of these factors, um, I did, in fact, make a lot more money than I would have if I had just been going along mm-hmm. merrily, running a business in a more traditional way. Right. So I, I want to emphasize this because it is important for anyone who works in or with a company that is a candidate for making some of the changes that I'm that I've been talking about here to to understand that these are not just cost items I mean any you ask ask the big companies about the changes they've made regarding the environment and almost to a uh, almost without exception they will tell you that their bottom line has benefited because they have lowered their costs and they have they have lowered the costs of of the production processes, not just the materials costs by such uh, steps as conservation. Um, and it works in uh, connection with employee and employment practices as well. And the, the there are benefits to relating in a positive way toward the community or communities where you. Uh, where you do business, not just giving money through philanthropy, but but attempting to 
relate your business to to the community in a in a broader way and make it a community resource mm-hmm. all of these things are, can become not cost items but profit items right. in the long run health of the business right and i'm assuming that for instance when your company uh, increased the profits it wasn't because you had increased your fees dramatically. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. So there were more efficiencies, the employees were more productive. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it sounds like what you get back a lot. I mean, the organization itself gets back a lot um, from employees who are more committed to the organization, to their work while they're having fun, making money. Yep. Yeah. It's true. So um, what do you think um, is the one key ingredient for that? Just If you said to somebody, if you only did X, do this, what would it be? I have found it always valuable to sit down with my staff uh, in, a, in, a, in a staff meeting, an all-staff meeting, and ask them for ideas on what steps we can take to improve the company's business, to um, make their work lives more rewarding, uh, to uh, to improve the service that we provide, and to uh, to cut costs. Uh, I I know that this is a this flies in the face of the traditional management approach, which is to make the decisions at the top and implement them down through a hierarchy. But I've always found that when you take employees into your confidence, you include them in a meaningful way in decision-making. You ask for, listen to, and act on uh, the good ideas that surface that uh, that there are there will there will be multiple benefits as a result. Mm-hmm. Ask for, listen to, and act on the ideas, and they'll be meaningful. That makes so much sense. It's well well said, well said, Mel. Well, this has been a wonderful hour. I just so appreciate you being here and having fun with us this morning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just I love. It feels very hopeful to me to know that there are people like you who are taking this to heart, who are saying, you know what, it it can be different, and we can be successful, and here are some of the ways to do it. So um, if you want to know more about Mal Warwick and the Mal Warwick Associates Consultancy, uh, you can go to Mal's website. Mal, what is your website? www.malwarwick.com. That's M-A-L-W-A-R-W-I-C-K. And you can get Mal's book, Values-Driven Business, How to Change the World, Make Money, and Have Fun, with co-author Ben Cohen at bookstores near you. And uh, thanks again, Mal, for being with us today. Well, thank you, Cheryl. It's been great. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll see you next Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Until then, think big. The world could become a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito.
Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week.